There's some things that I want to highlight to you out of the book of Job. So we're going to be all over the book of Job tonight. And I'm going to approach it a, uh, the story of Job maybe in a different way than you ever heard it or preached before or considered it. Uh, I want to f- Usually when you hear someone preach on Job, you, they focus on the troubles and trials and everything that happened to him. And, 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 and I'm all for that. I've preached on the troubles and trials. I understand what has gone through them. But I'm going to approach it in a different way tonight. Maybe you have considered it or not, but I think it will help you and me tonight if we grab a hold of it. Now, I've got a hold of this. In Job chapter 42, I want to read the last thing that the Bible records that Job said. The last recorded words of Job, obviously he, he said more than this, but he lived 140 years later after this. But this is the last recorded words that Job said in the Scriptures. Verse number 6. Wherefore I abhorred myself and repent in dust and ashes. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you tonight. Lord, we just ask to touch your hearts, lift us up, encourage us. Lord, I, I thank you for passing by tonight. I thank you for those that are here, Lord, those that are out uh, whatever it may be, Lord, of sickness, Lord, I pray that you touch them. Touch each and every one of us here tonight. Lift us up and encourage us. Help us to leave out of here more concerned than we were when we came in the door, Lord. Help us to see more clearly tonight than we seen when we come in tonight, Lord. And I praise you for that. Empty yourself and fill your spirit, Lord. And we praise you and love you tonight in Jesus' name. I don't know about you, but that is kind of an odd thing to me, for a man the caliber of Job to say. I mean, the way we always heard Job preach, he's a man in chapter 1, and there's a man in the land of us uh, whose name was Job, and that man was perfect, upright, and feared God and eschew evil. And that's just not the testimony of Job, and not according to the man that wrote the book of Job, but that's the testimony of God. If you read in chapter 1, verse number 8, and God was looking at Satan and said, uh, Has thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. God's testimony of Job is one of a kind. There's nobody like him on that mud ball earth down there, devil. There's nobody. If you read Ezekiel chapter 14, God said twice there are three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job. They said they were righteous men. Job is a perfect man. He's a shoe evil. He feared God and goes through all this trouble. God said it is his right. he is a righteous man. He's upright. He's upright and righteous with Noah and Daniel. But let me say this. How many of you know this? That the best of men are men at best. Let me say that again. The best of men are just simply men at best. I don't care how good the man is. Even if the best of men, the best of women, they're still nothing but men and women at best. There's not a individual born of woman in the Bible except one that didn't have kinks in their armor. No matter how good they were, 
The only one that walked in absolute spotless, faultless, uh, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. Outside of that, it doesn't matter how good man, we find issues all through their lives. Noah got drunk. Abraham lied on uh, to Abimelech about his wife, Sarah, his wife. Abraham gets impatient waiting on the promise of God and he goes to Hagar and has Ishmael. Joseph alone in Potiphar's house. Moses lost his temper and cast down the Ten Commandments of God. Moses lost his temper when God said, Speak to the rock. Moses smacked the rock. You, you go all through the scriptures. Samuel uh, uh, didn't raise his kids right, and so they didn't end up right. Da- David sinned with Bathsheba and also sinned in the numbering of the children of Israel when God told him not to do it. So no matter how good you are, there's some kinks in your armor tonight. We find Jeremiah the weeping prophet. He wanted to quit. He turned in his walking papers. But we find that he could not quit after it all because he said there's something burning down inside of me. Peter ends up tells the Lord, said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. I'm by your side. And it wasn't too much longer. He was cursing and denied the Lord three times. I don't care how good you are, how faithful you are. You can come to the house of God every time the door's open. You still got kinks in your armor tonight. Paul, great preacher Paul, had kinks. And the Holy Spirit told him not to go down to Jerusalem. Told him if you go down there, they're going to capture and put you in prison. But Paul did not listen. And what happened? They captured him and put him in prison. And it cuts his ministry short. The Bible said in 1 John chapter 1, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. The Bible said, For there is not a just man upon earth, that doeth good and sinneth not. There's none righteous, no, not one. You say, where are you getting that, preach? I'm getting to the fact that when we preach about Job's life, we never focus on the fact that Job's got a kink in his armor, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not kicking Job, I'm not putting Job down, but when God shows up in chapter 38, he doesn't pat Job on the back and says, oh, poor Job. He doesn't try to comfort Job and all what's happened to him. God shows up in chapter 38 and land blasts Job, Job all over. But he does it in a different way than what his friends had done. Listen what I'm fixing to tell you. Job's trials revealed a major flaw in his life. You want to know why sometimes God puts troubles in our life? It is to reveal to us there are some th- things, there's some kinks in our armor that we didn't know we had to begin with. And sometimes God allows things to happen in our lives individually to reveal to us some things that we didn't know we had a problem with to begin with. Amen. So yes, what is the Sin of Job, it's, it's a subtle sin. It's one that can creep into every child of God's life tonight. We can, we, if we're not careful, a righteous man, a perfect man, an upright man, he gets, has got sin 
that he has overlooked in his life. And it's a big one. It's a big one. Turn to chapter 32. Chapter 32. Verse 1. We know the story. These men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Underline that in your Bible. Job was righteous in his own eyes. Then he was kindled the wrath of Elu, the son of Berol, and Buzai, the, the kindred of Ram against Job, was his wrath kindled because he justified himself rather than God. You say, preacher, what's the problem in Job's life? The problem is the sin of self righteousness you know the last chapter that Job tries to defend himself when you get to the chapter uh, three it is back to and uh, before between Job and his friends it's nothing but a back and forth back and forth uh, a little bit of this and they're trying to defend themselves uh, and Job's friends will point out the, the gun and shoot at him says it's this it's that you've done this uh, and Job will come right back at him says no I'm not like it in chapter 31 he is the major defense in Job's toward his friends and this time he will not defend himself no more after chapter 31 until chapter 38 when God shows up he says very little there's nothing said by Job chapter 31 is Job's last big hurrah it's the last big thing he's going to say in the defense of himself and when you read chapter 31 it's full of pride Job uses that personal possessive pronoun of I, my, me, and mine. Chapter 31, 83 times Job said, I, 27 times. He said, my, 31 times. He, he said, me, 13 times. And he said, mine, 12 times. 83 personal pronouns that stretched across 40 verses in that chapter. Two, two personal pronouns about I don't do that. I did not do that. That's mine. I don't do that. I don't act like that. that I don't do stuff like that. All Job is saying is I, 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 me, me, mine, mine. It's all he's saying. The sin of self-righteousness is not a indicative to lost people. Can I say that? I, I find this in my own life tonight. As a Christian, let me say this. You go home and you read chapter 31. It is Job's last defense. Everything Job said that he was or was not doing in chapter 31 are wonderful things to do. They're, they're wonderful. Don't get me wrong. What Job said, I'm not doing, I'm not doing, I'm doing this, and I'm not doing. They're wonderful things. In fact, verse 30, in chapter 30, uh, 31, he said, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? In other words, he said, uh, I, I, I'm married. I don't need to look at another woman. Would you not agree that would be wonderful? Amen. Amen. If you're married, you, you ought to say, I made a covenant with my eyes and I'm not going to look upon another woman. He said later in the text uh, that if anybody came to him and need help, 
food, clothes. I took them in and took care of them. That's the wonderful thing. Amen. We ought to try to do good unto all men and women, especially those of the household of the faith. Everything that Job said in chapter 31 is a great, and there are things that are, should be doing in our lives today. But the problem is, is when you start getting prideful about the things you're doing, is when you start pumping up yourself. Amen. To us, no longer spiritual righteousness, but is now self-righteousness. When you get to the place when you say, I am something because I've done this, I've done that, I have not done that. Listen to me. I believe righteousness is a wonderful thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking that. Everybody in this building should have righteousness, personal righteousness in their life. Righteousness is something we got. Let me give you some scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Flee also you for lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and them that call on the Lord out of pure heart. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16. All scriptures written for the inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, reproof of correction and, and instruction in righteousness. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14 Stand therefore having your loins girded about truth and having the breastplate of righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 Be ye not unequal yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteous and what communion have light with darkness. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 34 Awake to righteousness and sin not for some have not the knowledge of God I speak this to your shame. 1 John 2, 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know everyone that doeth righteous is born of him. Don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing righteousness. As the church of Christ, we ought to be clean, living a cleanest life. We ought to be the cleanest people on earth tonight. You ought to be living a righteous life. You ought to be striving to be holy. And what I am advocating against is when you get to the place your righteousness has not become prideful but self-righteousness. Did you hear the difference between that? I said every Christian should have a spiritual righteousness that comes through the Spirit of God, through the Holy Ghost, through the Lord tonight. But when you start looking at yourself and say, look what I've done. Look what I did. He, even Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, 3, all therefore whatsoever they bid you deserve that observe to do. He, he, he said all that the Pharisees bid you do, do it. Don't, don't complain about be faithful to the house of God. There's nothing wrong with being faithful to the house of God. There, there's some things you ought to do. But he, did, he, but he said, but do not ye after their works, for they say and not do. In other words, he said, you ought to be faithful to the house of God. You ought to tithe. You ought to give your time. You ought to be uh, coming to the house of God. But you ought to not do it the way they do it. You ought to do it for the glory of God. In fact, he said it's not wrong to fast. But the Pharisees fasted by putting on sackcloth. 
and walking through the towns with that wrinkled up face. Oh, oh, it's me. I haven't eaten in three days. I'm fasting. They're looking for glory for themselves and not trying to give glory. Jesus said, if you fast, do it in private. Let nobody know what you're doing. You got that self-righteousness on you. And I know I've been there. I'm, I'm preaching at me. I'm not preaching at you. I'm just preaching at me. He said, when you fast, don't tell nobody. When you're tired, nobody needs to know what you're tiding. Just do it. When you apply the righteous things of the Bible to apply them to your life so that you can be on a higher moral ground than someone else, that you can look down for them at your prideful nose and say, look at you, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and you're not. Righteousness, self-righteousness is all is nothing but just getting closer to God, wanting a closer walk with God, wanting a closer a fellowship with God. But we seem to turn it around. We say we're holier than people. We got more going on. We got this, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, and you're not doing anything. We start looking down on. You know what? If we stop worrying about what everybody else is doing and start worrying about what we do, we'll get a lot better off and we'll get along with everybody, everybody else. If you want to get closer to the Lord, there's some things that you can't be a part of. There's some things that you can't listen to. Listen to me, young people. If you want to walk closer with the Lord, you're going to have to stop hanging around that crowd that does not love the Lord. You're going to have to stop listening to that secular music that talks about drinking and running around all that stuff. There's some places that you cannot go. But why? Because you're trying to get a closer walk with the Lord. You want to be closer to God. You want to be saved. You want to be with the Lord. There are some things that you cannot do and say, hey, I'm still a Christian. You can't do it. The way we find out in Job's life, you read chapter 31. The things that he was doing that made him upright, perfect man, fearing God and shewing evil. Much of it was done for the purpose of self-righteousness. Much of it was done because of the want to be somebody. The sum of Job is at the end of, it ends up reading, repenting of it. Tonight, and I want you to see the sin of self-righteousness. There are some th three things I want to give you about self-righteousness that, that creeps into our life. We might, let me just say, can I say this? Sometimes we don't know that when self-righteousness creeps in our life, but it's there. Because we'll start looking down at people. I'm telling you, there are people who come into the church and they're not dressed the same way you are. They're not looking the same way you are. And sometimes we can stand off because, hey, they don't look right. I'm telling you, I don't care who comes in the house of God. I don't care what they're going through. I don't care what sin they're doing. I, I'm not going to stop preaching against sin. That's my job, preach against sin. I, I'm just going to preach about it. And I'm not going to point them out or anything. And when they leave out the door, I'm going to shake their hands and say, Bless you for coming. Amen. Yes, 
I'm not going to look down on them because they're doing something or in sin or something, but I tell you what, that's the place where Christian world has gotten to that if you don't walk like we do, you don't talk like we do, then you certainly ain't part of us. Look at chapter 13. I'll give you three things right quick. Three things right quick. Look at chapter 13, verse 3. This happens over and over in, in Job. He says things like this over and over again. This is why God finally shows up. This is why God said, I'm finally showing up. Surely I would speak to the Almighty. And I desire to reason with God. Now, when you read the other passage, you don't know what he wants to reason about God. He wants God to show up. He's asking God to show up. He said, I, I want God to show up so I can straighten God out. I, I want to talk to God and reason with him how it is going I'm doing this and I'm doing that, serving God. I, I'm sacrificing. I'm living a clean life. And, and you, you let me go through this and I get it bit in my neck. I, I, I deserve better than this. Self-righteousness will make you think that you deserve better than what you got. Because I lived a clean life, because I have lived right, I failed in some categories when my when our granddaughter fell away. I felt the same way. God, I, I've been preaching your word. I, I'm trying to lead people to Christ. I, I'm giving everybody I can get. To, why did you let this happen to me? I deserve better than this. You ever done that? Why'd you let this come on me? I'm serving you. I'm preaching the word. I'm, I'm trying to get people to come to Christ. and I'm doing everything. you. I'm, I'm living a clean life. I'm upright. I'm trying to do what you want me to do. I, I'm trying to do everything the Bible tells me to do. And you let this come into my life. I deserve better than this. See what Job doesn't understand. <laughs> and what I didn't understand. When God shows up. And I love the way the Lord says this in chapter 38. First thing the Lord says to Job, Who is this darkness canceled by words without knowledge? In other words, darkness trying to cover up the truth. The truth is, you really don't know what's going on. And you have no knowledge of what's going on. He's saying, Job, you don't understand this. It could be worse. It could be worse. Job just looking at his circumstances, looking what he's going through. I did this. I've done that. Why did you allow this come on my life? Why did you have this when God shows up? You don't understand, Job. It could have been worse. Paul got it in the neck. He was a righteous man. He wrote over half the New Testament. But yet he said of the Jews five times, I received 40 stripes, saved one. Thrice I was beaten by the rod, once stoned. 
shipwrecked and day and night and I've been in deep perils of, of waters and perils of robbers and perils in my own countrymen, perils of heathen. He said, I, I've been through it. I've gone through it since the day I came into you. I met you on the road to Damascus and I, I keep going back. He says, you must tell Paul the great things. He must suffer for my namesake. Paul suffered great things. But never do I read in Paul's writing, he said, why me? Why did you let this happen to me? Why? The only time he ever come close is when he prayed about the thorn in his flesh. So I guess Paul had a kink in his armor too. And if Paul is that great of a man and still has a kink, who are we? Who are we? Who are we? Let's just be honest tonight. This is the crowd we can be honest with. We all think we deserve better than what we got. Come on, I mean, be honest. I mean, you don't raise your hand, still, you've got to be honest. You know you, need, you think you deserve better than what you got. You think you deserve better than Jesus Christ? Come on. I mean, they, they took and drug him to the uh, courtyards and beat him. Stripped him naked. Slapped him around, spit on him. Fucked the hairs from his face. Nailed him to the cross. You think you deserve better than that? I'm telling you, there's been people in this country, not this country, because let me tell you what, we're such a sorry individual country when it comes to serving God. There are people in foreign countries that are suffering and giving up their lives for the cause of Christ. They're being beaten. They're being beheaded. They're being shot. Outcast. And yet we sit here, well, I think I deserve better than that. What would happen if some people walked in here and grabbed a bunch of us, took us out there, and stripped us naked and beat us up and then nailed us to a cross? We would say, well, they deserve better than that. Amen. I'm just telling you. Job, Job had this sin of self-righteousness. If I got what I deserved, it would be the darkest spot in hell to the charred walls of hell, my back broken, my legs broken, and, and never be seen again if I got what I deserve. But thank God, here I stand with, yeah. tonight with Jesus Christ, the Bible in my hand. I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. I'm reaping better than I have ever reaped before. And it's not because of what I've done. It's not because of my righteousness. It's because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Yeah. But it's easy to get to the place in your life to say, I deserve better than that. It's easy to get to the place in your life you think your self-righteousness is going to get you something. I, it's easy to get to the place where you say, well, I deserve the blessings of God. <laughs> Come on. I deserve the blessings of God. I deserve the things God gives me. 
I, I deserve my home, my food, my cars. I, I, I deserve that. What about those that don't have that, but yet they still serve God and they still come to God. They still walk with God and yet they've got nothing. Do they not deserve better than that? Our country has become self-righteous. I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with y'all tonight. I, I, I looked at this, and I, I got through, going through this. I said, Lord, that's me. That's me. Let me say, if what I've been preaching tonight has kicked you in the side, it's kicked your pride, and I know it has mine. I know it's kicked me. I know it's gotten me. Look at Luke chapter 18. Turn with me to Luke chapter 18. You think you deserve better than what you have. You think you want better. You deserve better. We all think that. Luke chapter 18. One of the greatest illustrations. I, I, I love this. I love this. I, I, I put myself on both both characters and see who who do I come out closer like. And I find myself being more like a Pharisee than a publican. I'm just going to be honest with you. Verse 9, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves and that were righteous and despised others. The sin of self-righteousness was cause you to despise others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one man a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee. And if he just stopped right there, if he had just said, Lord, I thank you, shut your mouth, go home, I think you would have ended the prayer good. But he decided to take a dive off the high dive. I'm not like other men that are exhorters, unjust, adulterers, even this public. Now, don't get me wrong. You should not be an extorter. You, you should not be. That's a great thing. You should not be an adulterer. Amen. You should not be. That is a great thing. He's hitting on, I am not like them. But he really crashes when he says, I'm not like this publican. I fast twice in a week. There is nothing wrong with fasting. We should do it. Whoop. Amen. Amen. I tied on all of my possessions. We, we, we should tithe. You should tithe. We're commanded to tithe. And the publican sitting was standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalted himself, himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Can I say, get this, get this good. It is not the deeds that's the problem. 
You should not be those things that he said I have not been. It's not the deeds that the problem. The problem is the heart is the problem. He is prideful about the things that he does and watch what it leads him to do. It leads him to despise another man that he deems that is not doing it the way that he is doing it. They're not doing it my way. They're not saying it my way. They're not acting that way. Then they must not be a mind. They must not be righteousness. They're not like me. Thank God they're not like you. I think more of us be like, want me to be publicans and say, Lord, be merciful unto me. I'm a sinner because that's all we are, sinners. Now, and it's interesting to me. There in the temple, and the Bible said it stood afar off, but I don't think he thought that far off. It's interesting to me that I, I, I'm thinking that that publican, as he was standing there, he heard what the Pharisees said. He heard that conversation going on with him and the Lord about what he ain't done and what he is doing and who he ain't like. Now, have you ever, somebody, has anybody ever said anything to you? And got you all riled up, and you just jump right back at them. I mean, you come at them full blast. You got your six shooters, and you just throwing it back at them. Don't miss this. When the publican is reviled on, has slander thrown at him, he does not answer back. Now listen to me, that is Job's problem. That's why in the book of Job lasts for 42 chapters instead of four because Job wants to give back every time his friends come at him. He wants to give back. And it's for four chapters doing up and going back and forth on what I haven't done, what I have done, what I'm doing. What I, and he said, I'm righteous, you're not righteous. There's four, it's 42 chapters of Job arguing with his friends about who is more righteous than the other. If Job had not said nothing, You know what the problem is? Between Job and his three friends, one is trying to outdo the other in self-righteousness. Nobody is going to cut myself righteous like that. You ain't going to say that I am doing that and I am doing that. No, you ain't going to say that. You go, you go read Job. You look at the book of Job. You read it and look at it in a different way. His friends come and said, you're wicked, ungodly reprobate. You have sinned against God. You have sinned somewhere in your life. We are more righteous than you are because it's not happened to me. It's not coming on me, so therefore you must have sin in your life. They're trying to point out his unrighteousness. And Job is trying to say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm right. I'm right. If we get in a contest with somebody saying we're, you know, let me tell you this. When, when somebody comes and says a lie about you and you know it is a lie, they start questioning what you are and what you stand for. It would be best thing for you to just keep your mouth shut. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. 
But the best thing that we can do, if you know it's a lie, you know it's outright a lie. Somebody, I'm telling you, they would love to see this church fall and don't do anything. They would love to see that. And they're going to make up lies after lies after lies. And sometimes people fall for it and they want to lash back out. I would just not say a word. I'd go to the altar, Lord, you know it's not true. You know it's not true. I'm just going to let you handle it. I'll let you handle this, Lord. I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. I'll let you take care of them. And I'm telling you, God will take care of them. God will take care of the liars. Listen to me. One of the hardest things you'll ever do in life is not to respond when people lie about your righteousness. <laughs> Oh, they really think they're righteous down there. They ain't no better than me. I've had people tell me that. Well, you ain't no preacher. Okay. That's what you think. Go ahead with it. You can't do that. You can't do that. Okay. You cannot build a church on that kind of preaching. I don't understand why you preach that way. You can't, people ain't going to come and listen to that. Okay. Okay. They only have church on Sunday morning, and that's it. Okay. Okay. The hardest thing you'll ever do in your life is to keep your mouth quiet when somebody is telling a lie on you, and you know it is a lie. I'm just telling you. It's the toughest thing you do. Now listen what I'm telling you. There is difference in <laughs> there is a difference in despising sin and despising people. Really? Yeah. There's a difference in what they're doing and how they're doing it. I I don't like that. I don't care for that. I I try to rebuke it, but yet I still love the person because Christ died for whosoever. And as long as there's breath in their body, as long as there's an opportunity, they can come to the altar and ask God to forgive them and repent and get saved and right with God. There's still that point in their life that has not been rejected. There's a difference between despising the sin. But we, but we as our self-righteous, holier-than-thou goody-two-shoes, we seem, to, we seem to bind the sin and the person together. Yeah. Any one of y'all were born sinless? <laughs> Any one of y'all born sinless? You come out your mother's womb sending. Sending on the earth. Wah, wah. You don't have to teach a baby to lie. Amen. You have to teach them to tell the truth. They come out there. Did, who did that? I don't know. The only one in the house. Who did? I have no idea. I had so many I don't knows and I didn't do it to my house. I knew who did it. They did it. But they weren't going to tell me they did it. So we tend to, to, to join the sin and the sinner together. 
and we can't distinguish between the two. Every one of us is sinners saved by grace. Amen. You're born again, washed by the blood, you're a sinner saved by grace. Yes, At any moment, you can turn away from, walk away from God. At any moment. Fall away from God. Should we look at you different then? No, we should be coming back to you knocking on your door. Where you at? What you been doing? Amen. I'm just telling you. We seem to bind them together, you know, because we're, we're self-righteous. We're holier than air. The problem with this generation, you preach against sin, they automatically call you a hater. You hate. I don't hate you, I hate the sin. They claim you're self-righteous. That's not true. They think because you preach against sin, you don't love people. No, I love people. I love them enough to tell them the truth. We despise everybody's sin. We don't pick between them. Self-righteousness. Can I say this? Your standard and your convictions should never lead you to be self-righteous over someone else. Your standards and your convictions should lead you to get closer to the Lord. And that's what He wants you to do. There's nothing wrong with standards and no, nothing wrong with convictions and nothing wrong with that. But when you allow them to rule in your life that you over somebody else, then you've got problems. Then you become self-righteousness. We are living in a generation when the kids are brought up, they're saying, well, you are the top. You're the bomb. You're the big, you're the big cheese dog. You're everything. You're so sweet. You, I mean, yeah, I mean it, it, some of these kids running around here with got butter dripping off of them because they think they're so sweet. And then when you have somebody tell them about Jesus and you can't go to heaven without Jesus, they look at you like you hate them. No, we, we've been told all our lives, hey, you're it, you're the bomb diggity, you're the bomb, you're the cat's meow, you're everything, you're sweet, you're lovable, you're all this stuff. You are a perfect person. No, you're not. You're lost and undone without Jesus. Go back to Job 38. I didn't think I'd get a bunch of woohoos about this one. You're self-righteous. Because you despise people. It'll make you get discovered by God. I, I'm telling you, God can find the truth in the dark spot. God can find the truth in the darkest part of our hearts. No matter how far we tuck it away and hid it from everybody else, God can find it tonight. Nobody else might be able to see it, what's going on. Job's heart, God saw it. This is when God shows up. 
He shows, God shows up, verse, chapter 30, 39, 40, 41. Verse 38, chapter 38, verse number 1. And I, and I love this. Can you, I really love this. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this darkened counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up thy loins like a man, for I have will de demand of thee, and answer thou me. Can you imagine this booming voice coming out of this whirlwind, coming out of heaven, sounding like many waters, blasting down on this little old wretched man and said, Who is that that darkens the counsel by words without knowledge? Then he asks them a question that nobody can answer. Nobody can answer. Verse number four. Where was thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare it, thou hast understanding. Hey, Job. You want me to show up? You asked for me to show up in chapter 13. You were begging me to show up. You said you wanted me to show up. You've got a reason with the things of me. I'm here, big boy. What do you got to say? Doesn't say much. God shows up and begins to ask questions that Job can't answer. Watch what Job says when he runs smack dab into God. Don't miss this. Chapter 31. Job spends the entire chapter, I, 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 me, 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 my, 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 mine, mine. I don't do that. I did this. I done that. I don't do that. Watch the next time Job opens his mouth in chapter 40, verse number 3. God has talked for two straight chapters. And this is the first time that Job has opened his mouth since he spewed out all those self-righteousness out. Watch Job in chapter 40, verse 3. Then Job answered the Lord and said, No more, he's saying, Lord, I'm glad you showed up. I, I've got uh, this going on. I, I've got this going on. I, I've been doing it. Let me tell you something of what's going on. I've been doing this. Look what he says in verse 4. Behold, I'm a vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Verse 5, once have I spoken, but I am not answered, yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. You see what happens? Old Job gets an attitude update on his self-righteousness. What gave him the attitude? It wasn't the preacher, it wasn't his friends, it was when God showed up. When he got around God, when he got in the presence of God. He saw God for who he was, and then he saw himself for what he was. And said, I ain't no good. I'm a vile, wretched sinner. I, compared to you, I, I'm nothing. Isaiah thought he had it going good. In chapter, until chapter 6, Isaiah said, In the year of King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And the serpents were crying, Holy, holy, holy. And the Lord of hosts said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a wretched man. I'm no good. I am to Peter, though he was doing good, had a hard working citizen until he saw Jesus for who Jesus was. 
He dropped down to his knees and said, depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. You ask, what is the remedy for self-righteousness? Get your eyes off of people. Get your eyes off yourself and get them on God. And when you see God for what he is, then you see yourself for who you are and what you are. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the rose of Sharon. He's the everlasting, very beginning, the end. He's everything. When you see him for what he is and for you what you are, Lord, forgive me. I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. We're living in a generation where they think too much of themselves that they'll never see God for who God is. We're not to measure ourselves among others. Paul said comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. The only one we compare ourselves to is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. The Lord, the righteous. My righteousness is but as filthy rags. In Job 42, Job stops blaming everybody else. Verse 1, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and thou have no thou thought that can be beholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understand, understood not these things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak, and I will demand of thee, and declare to you unto me. I have an ear. I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now my eye, thee, where I abhorred myself. We've finished back right where we started. Job went through all that Job went through. All that Job went through and Job did, it took God present and God, Job getting in the presence of God to make Job realize you ain't as good as you think you are. You're nothing but a dirt and I've created you. And when we see God for who God is, we realize we ain't nothing. And without Him, we are never nothing. Gotta have Him. Gotta have Him. Our self-righteousness. I've been there. Lord, I deserve better than this. I'm sure glad I'm not like them. Sure glad I'm not like it. But see, when you get that condition, when you get like that, God's going to find you out. And God's going to bring you out. And you'll realize who God is. If you're sitting here tonight and you got, if you, if you even thought one person just caused the way they looked, what they're doing is wrong, then you're starting getting into that self-righteous. Because we're all sinners saved by grace. 